Well, it's Mother's Day. Thank you for those that came. Looks like a lot of you are still in bed, probably. God bless you. (laughs) Quite right, too. If you would like to open your Bibles, we are going to go through Proverbs 31 like never before. Does anyone know about Proverbs 31? Do you hear the women going, yes? (laughs) I'm sure you know that that's not what it's all about, Proverbs 31. I know some ladies who have read this and just never want to read it again. That's too high a bar for me to reach. There's no way I'm going to be able to match that. Well, there's two things about this proverb that may be new to you today, and we're going to unpack that a bit. But I was just looking at this sword, and what does the Scripture say? The sword of the Spirit is is the Word of God. Don't worry, folks. I'm trained and equipped (laughs) in the art of sword, sword wielding. Lucy doesn't believe me. It's okay, Lucy. I I have good spatial awareness, okay? You, young man, are very close to the end of that. (laughs) So this, what was it again? The sword of the Spirit is the Word of God. Now, what does a sword do? If the sword of the Spirit is the Word of God is like a sword, what does a sword do? It's lethal, isn't it? A sharp sword, properly sharp sword, can cut through anything anything. So, but it's for defense as well, but it's for attack too. Now, if you were wielding, (laughs) you get nervous. If you were wielding, I'm going to have to change hands here because this is going to end badly. Um, If you were wielding, if I was whizzing this around, right, who's going to come near? Who's going to be crazy enough to come near me wielding my sword? A sharp sword knowing that one, one slice and your arm's gone. Now, that's how it describes the Bible. Do you think of your Bible like that? Do you hold it up like that? Your Bible, when you speak it, has the impact of a very long, hard, sharp sword that is being swung around. Anything that comes anywhere near is in big trouble. Now, why don't we use our Bibles like that? Why don't I use my Bible like that? That's how powerful it is. So when we read this proverb, I want you to remember that. That even as I read these verses out here, it's like a swinging sword. And there's a protective element to it as well, because it keeps the enemy at bay. It keeps you safe. And also deals with issues. If you imagine, there's nothing that that wouldn't deal with if you were swinging that sword. Can you imagine speaking the word of God and what that is going to do, how that's going to go forth? So, ladies, it can't be intended to crush you and make you feel inadequate, which is what I often hear. Oh, no, we're preaching on Proverbs 31. Oh, no, do we have to? Some of you are wondering what I'm talking about because you've never read it. Well, we'll find out in a second. 
So before I get into it, I want to ask you if you're going to be honest with yourself. It's a bit of a follow-up from last week. What is holding you back? What is stopping you from really jumping in the middle? What fears, what words that have been spoken over you? Do you feel intimidated? I'll be honest, some meetings I go into with certain folks, I feel a little bit intimidated. And I would often say I just find it hard to be myself. Um, so there's a level of fear there. I haven't quite got to the bottom of that yet. But we all have it, don't we, in some, in some ways. And it could be something completely different for you. But I want you to hear God's voice in this proverb to set you free, to strengthen you, to encourage you to not be intimidated, not be held back. Okay, are we ready? Wow. Are we ready, folks? Do you have a voice? Let's practice it, okay? Do you have a voice? Goliath, let's do Can we say amen? amen? Amen. A bit louder, please. Amen. Isn't it releasing? Should we say hallelujah? Hallelujah. Some of you are stubbornly going, I'm not saying it because he's saying it. <laughs> I know who you are because I'm watching. <laughs> hallelujah. Thank you, Lord. <laughs> well, you'll be pleased to know that's that over for the sermon. Okay. Right, let's start at the start. Proverbs 31, verse 10, starting at verse 10. A wife of noble character, who can find such a creature? That's not in there, by the way. She is worth far more than rubies. Her husband has full confidence in her and lacks nothing of value. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. Are you feeling the challenge, ladies? She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. She is like the merchant ships bringing food from afar. Wonderful. She gets up while it is still night. Ladies, do you do that? No? She provides food for her family and portions her for her female servants. Children. <coughs> servants. She, cons- <laughs> she considers a field and buys it. Out of her earnings, she plants a vineyard. This is good stuff, isn't it? She sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for the task. She sees that her trading is profitable and her lamp does not go out at night. In her hand, she holds the distaff and grasps the spindle with her fingers. She opens her arms to the poor and extends her hands to the needy. And there's more. When it snows, she has no fear for her household. For all of them are clothed in scarlet. She makes coverings for her bed. She is clothed in fine linen and purple. Her husband is respected at the city gate where he takes his seat among the elders of the land. Well, I'm fulfilling my part of the bargain here. (laughs) She makes linen garments and sells them. Ladies, come on. I have no idea where I was. And supplies the merchants with sashes. She is clothed with strength and dignity. She can laugh at the days to come. 
She speaks with wisdom and faithful instruction is on her tongue. She watches over the affairs of her household and does not eat the bread of idleness. Her children arise and call her blessed. Her husband also, and he praises her. Love you. Many women do noble things, but you surpass them all. What a wonder woman you are. Wow. Charm is deceptive and beauty is fleeting, but a woman who fears the Lord is to be praised. Honor her for all that her hands have done, and let her works bring her praise at the city gate. Amen. Okay, ladies, are you feeling encouraged? Not that you've ever talked back to me anyway, so I might as well answer my own question. Surely it's obvious that can't just be about what women need to do. Surely. Because that's quite a high bar, isn't it? Is that, does that sound exciting to live up to? To anybody? Uh, I don't think so. <laughs> well, there's two things I think this is about. It isn't really setting a very high bar that, that, that women can't reach. It's actually saying something else, and I'll get on to that in a minute. But it's actually a picture of what the church could be and should be. You can go through every single one of these verses and replace wife or she with the church. And it's a picture of what the church could be and what it should be. So verse 10, a woman of noble character. The church is noble and virtuous of good character. Who can find such a church? It is the most precious of treasures. Isn't that what the world needs to see? A church like that? Wow. What does the Bible say about treasure? You will do anything to get it. You will sell everything to get that. Don't we all want to see a church that is noble and virtuous and of good character? Going to verse 12. She brings him good, not harm, all the days of her life. The church... Is a blessing to Jesus. I actually written here, we don't want to be a headache to him, do we? Maybe I'm speaking to myself. <laughs> I don't want to be uh, a headache to Jesus, do I? She brings him good. Don't we want to be standing up for the name of Jesus? and bringing a good report of what Jesus is like. Because how are people going to see Jesus? They're only going to see him in us. So when you act and behave like Jesus would, people will say, that's a church that I want to belong to, and I'm bringing Jesus a good report. I'm blessing Jesus by being Jesus to people. And I have to confess, I don't always behave like Jesus does. I'm a work in progress like all of us. And you hear some things out there that churches get involved in. And I'm sure we've made mistakes too. And I just wonder, I don't want to be a headache to Jesus. I want to actually, I want people to speak well of the church because of what they see in us. She selects wool and flax and works with eager hands. The church works hard. It is diligent. It is passionate in all that it does for him. So it's painting a high bar of what the church could be. 
I want you to be diligent. I want you to work hard because lives are at stake. This is a picture of what we could be and should be. She gets up while it is still night and provides food for a family. The church never stops. When the world and when our lives are in darkness, the church is still working and increasing. Because if, the, if Jesus is the church, and we are the church, and the Spirit of God is living in us, it's always doing something. It's always working in us. It's always working in other people. It never stops. And the truth of it is, the, harder, the darker the times sometimes and the heavier the persecution, the greater the church grows. Don't you hear those stories? Well, even when the government says we're outlawing Christianity, under the surface, it explodes. So I just wonder, I wanted to say this or not, but I read a couple of articles recently about a street preacher who was uh, arrested and their Bible was confiscated by the police. Did you see those stories? <sighs> wow. These things go only one way if somebody doesn't do something about it. It'll start with that, and then maybe a little law will sneak in. You can't stand on the street with your Bible. And I just wonder whether we need a little bit of a nudge like that in this country to actually start standing up and saying, I've had enough of this. There is no way I'm allowing somebody who's preaching from the Bible that I preach from every Sunday to be arrested and their Bible confiscated. That's what happens in communist countries. Why is that happening here? Can I rise some militancy in some people here about the good news? You're being called into the arena, some of you. Some of you are being called today to go and actually speak up in arenas that I will never get into. Amen? She sets, verse 17, she sets about her work vigorously. Her arms are strong for her tasks. I just felt, you know, we need to work hard. We need to be industrious, diligent in what we do. I often hear, not so much here, but other people's comments about the church. In fact, uh, I know people that will not employ Christian tradespeople because their work is far superior. Uh, inferior to people who aren't Christians. Wow. I hear that quite a lot. And I just wonder if Christians feel, yeah, but you know, God's forgiving. Ah, this'll, that'll do. Because I'm a Christian. I don't quite understand why that is. But I hear that more regularly than, I'd, than I like. And you maybe haven't come across that, but I have. I know churches that won't recommend Christian people in the congregation because it doesn't end well. That's bad, isn't it? And I wonder whether there's a bit of lethargy or apathy in us to think that'll do. I have seen that in church, and I have seen that here in the past. Not today, but I've seen it in the past. That'll do. 
what? That'll do for the king of kings. We're inviting him in. We're inviting his presence, the only presence that really matters. We should be giving it our best. Why are we giving our best to our work, which we should do, and giving our second best to the king of kings? We should be doing our best. And I would say we are striving to do that here, to be excellent because of him. And I think this is painting a number of these verses are talking about she should be this. She works hard through the night and being diligent. It's talking to us and saying, guys, the world is watching. Let's not have a that'll do attitude. Let's give it everything we've got. And we're not talking about being perfect or professional. We're talking about doing the best with what we've got. And I think God will honor that. And Father, forgive me for not doing that. Forgive me for wasting time and perhaps even wasting resources. I'd ask your forgiveness, Father, for the mistakes I've made, that we've made. And I pray you would help us to live this out and be diligent and hardworking, seeking you for wisdom. Verse 20, she opens her arms to the poor and extends her hand to the needy. Well, of course, isn't that what the church is supposed to do? It's a call to the church. This is what my church does. It reaches out its hand to the vulnerable, the needy, the poor, not just somebody sleeping on the street. There are poor people all around us. There are people who have got lots of money who are very poor and need us to raise, reach out our hand to them. I can't, I've, got, I've got a sermon for every verse here. Um, if you want my notes, I'll happily share them with you. But it's probably going to take me about two hours to go through every verse. But you get the message? If you read that proverb again, but think the church, me, I'm part of the church. This is speaking to me. It's not speaking to women only. It's speaking to men and women. It's speaking to the church and saying, this is what you could be. Pick one of these verses and start to live it out in your life and see what happens. And we know God will bless us. <clears throat> However, I do think there is a message for the ladies in here. And that's what I'm going to finish with. <clears throat> And you'll see some quotes hopefully coming up on the screen. So yes, I think there's a message for women, but I don't think it's uh, you must do this, you must do that. Here's the high bar I want you to reach. It's actually saying something else. It's not, I believe, a checklist for women. If you read between the lines, it's talking about honor and celebration. And God loves to celebrate his creation. He's painting a beautiful picture of what could be. Not a checklist of what you have to do, but what you can be. And there's a sense of uh, perfection in it. I didn't know this, but an acrostic, some of you will know what this means, is that when you've got a poem, the first letter of the first line is part of the alphabet. And it goes A, B, C, so it starts with A, B, C, D. So this proverb goes through the Hebrew alphabet from start to finish and covers the alphabet. So there's a sense of wholeness about this picture that he's painting in Proverbs. 
And if we can get <coughs> the next slide up, should be a quote coming up. Here we go. As a poem, Proverbs 31 should not be interpreted prescriptively as a job description for all women. Come on, ladies, let's hear you. Yay. And the men went, oh, really? <laughs> I didn't do that, by the way. Its purpose is to celebrate wisdom in action. What a beautiful picture for women. Ladies, you are wisdom in action. Isn't that good? Wisdom in action. And when my wife has given me some wisdom, whoa, she's, a, she's a force to be reckoned with. She's certainly, certainly in action then. That's great. Not to instruct women everywhere to get married, have children, and take up the loom. How ridiculous is that? And if we can move on to the next one, please. In Israel, this proverb is called, and I'll get this pronunciation wrong, Eshet Sheel. That's what I'm sticking with. Eshet Sheel. And it says, in Jewish culture, this chapter is recited on Friday night before they have their Sabbath dinner. So Sabbath in Israel starts on a Friday night and goes to Saturday night. So before they have dinner, traditionally, husbands will read this proverb out to their wives. Now, you can imagine if we all started doing that, but it's because they know what it means. And Eshet Sheal is translated as virtual, virtuous, noble, it talks about a force, a mighty force to be reckoned with. It talks about being valiant. So when it's read to, to the wives, it's coming across as that. You are of noble character. You are virtuous. You are brave. You are valiant. And it's coming across from that heart. You are brave and noble. You are a force to be reckoned with. Can you imagine if every household... The men in that house were speaking those words over their wives, over their sisters, over their daughters, over their mothers. Can you imagine what would happen? And I'm really annoyed that I haven't done more of this. Because from my experience, men think less than women. Is that true? Yes. 100%, okay, generally true. There's more going on in ladies' brains than men's, is that right? Far more, my wife says. And I, I think it's true when she says, what are you thinking about, nothing? Um, no, nothing. No, you can't be thinking of nothing. I've got ten things going on in my head at once all the time. Men's brains are like waffles. Up for the waffles, guys, Okay. <laughs> Oh my gosh, I'm tired already thinking about spaghetti. <laughs> I truly, I truly can. Yeah, they are. So I think this is very pertinent that it's spoken over women. Because of all that's going on and the pressure over the centuries on women, I think is greater than on men. We need to be standing up. 
guys. We all have a, a mother, a daughter, a sister, women in our lives. We need to be speaking this over them and not raising what they've got to do. We need to be speaking these words. You are a woman of value. You are virtuous. You are brave. You are noble. You are a force to be reckoned with. Do not listen to those lies. Do not be intimidated. Do not be fearful. Do not let those lies stop you being the woman God has called you to be. You are a force to be reckoned with. Don't hold back. The whole of heaven is with you. Amen? Can you imagine if that was spoken over you regularly? And then the last one. Every week at the Sabbath table, my husband speaks the Proverbs 31 poem to me. It's special because I know that no matter what I do or don't do, he praises me for blessing the family with my energy and creativity. And in our language, it's really saying, go girl, you go, don't hold back. 